Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament, we've been working through the New Testament together one chapter at a time over the last four years. This is uh, lesson number 216. So how many ever weeks that is divided by years, you get the idea. It's been quite a while. Quite a run. We're on the downslide now. We have about 40, 40 weeks left to get through the end of the... Um, the New Testament, and then we're going to start the Old Testament, and people always look at me when I say this, but 15 years, it will take us 15 years to run through the Old Testament, and then we'll start it up all over again, and we'll knock ourselves out, and just go for another 20 strong, all right? So the next 36 years planned. Um, <laughs> of course, that's just a plan. That could all change at any moment, because like Jesus could come back, so you just never know. Um so anyway, uh, the reason that we look at the Scripture in context, and, and I want to make this point every week, is that you have to be careful when you read the Scripture that you, you are thinking about um, how it was written, when it was written, why it was written, what that looks like. Because all of that has an impact on what's trying to be said. All of it written under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, certainly applicable to today as the church, and, and, and yet we do want to hold into account... Um, what was going on in the process when, when these books and letters were being written in the early church. And so we, we've carefully gone through the Gospels, um, and then we went through the book of Acts, and out of the book of Acts, you know, as we were talking about the missionary journeys, we went all through all of Paul's letters um, to see what was going on in the church and how they fit. And then, you know, we, we just finished the letter to the Hebrews, and, and that was written to, um, you know, people who had a very strong understanding of the Old Testament, We've moved into the book of James now, also to a group of people who have this understanding of the Old Testament. So it's written differently than Paul's letters that were primarily written to a group of people that didn't have that understanding because they were Gentiles uh, in the new churches. And so um, he was writing to them with a different process in mind. He, he was writing more to infants, and, and if you would, James is sort of writing more to toddlers in the faith because they had the background of the Old Testament Scripture, um, they, they were just in a different spot in their journey. Um, and so he, he writes differently. And, and because he writes differently, at times in church history, um, it's, uh, some people have, have had difficulty with the book of James because he talks a lot about stuff that you need to do. Um, and, and instead of, you know, where most of the other is about, you know, what's been done for us, in Christ, but the two are uh, fully—they uh, complement each other just fine um, scripturally. As I said, Paul was was really talking about um, you know people connecting in with Jesus and what that looked like and having an understanding of grace and mercy and how important it was in the process. James is coming along with people who've um, hopefully grasped that already, and he's saying in effect that this life that we have in Christ should um, impact you in in the way that you live and live, and it should have a significant impact. And so when, when James is talking about faith, he's really not talking about saving faith. Uh, he's, he's more talking about sort of a living out of that faith in our lives. And, and so that's what we've really looked at in those first two chapters of James, um, this whole idea of, of, of this uh, living these things out. And now in, in chapter 3, he's even going to take it uh, down another notch, and he's going to talk about really how it impacts our, our day-to-day life in kind of little things. And you, you're talking... Uh, you know, about great faith. He's really, he's not in here talking about moving mountains. Uh, he's, he's in here talking about what this life in Christ should do in, in our day-to-day life and relationships 
um, with the people that we encounter, uh, you know, in, in the course of our lives. And, and that this is now he's going to get extremely practical. And, and I, you know, I told you James is kind of like, a, in some ways, it's a lot like the book of Proverbs in that it's just filled with practical advice. And it's usually in sort of small little chunks that he, he gives this, this practical advice. And in fact, all of the third chapter um, is really about uh, the, the topic that we're going to talk about um, today, which is, is about watching what we speak and say and how important that is in the context of life. And then um, he sort of will lead us into the discussion in four, in chapter four, but, but really primarily um, what we're going to talk about today is taming the tongue because that's the main part of James 3. And it's really a big deal because it's really hard to do. Anybody ever have any experience with that? Having the, anybody ever said things you wish you hadn't said? Anyone? Yeah. That happens, doesn't it? Yeah. So... James uh, says, you know, in, in this life in Christ, that that's one, something that we should really be working on on a day-to-day level. So let's dig into the Scripture. I'm going to read out James chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to there. I'll be reading out of the NIV. Whatever translation you have is fine. And uh, we're in James 3, verses 1 through 18. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Well, that's not a very good verse. <laughs> so let's skip one. You can't do that. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, 
James brings us to this point now in chapter 3 and, and um, of, of, you know, how that our life should be impacted uh, in Christ and it should be noticeable. And then he hops right into business with this, uh, with this really major step about taming the tongue. And, and taming the tongue is, is one of the first challenges we deal with in a life of faith. And it's, it's a continual challenge that we'll deal with in this life of faith because... Um, we all say stupid stuff, <laughs> and and we do it fairly regularly, and we we get caught, you know, we get we get excited, I think, sometimes, and we just and and then all of a sudden, you know, we're we're just sort of out there where we don't need to be, and and the the Lord um, really wants us to to you know surrender this area of our lives to Him, and just be aware of what's happening, and and really start to ask Him to help us get this whole process in check. And uh, so I want to talk about that today and some, some ways to deal with that and hopefully some help in, in dealing with that whole process because it's a tough one. You know, this, uh, I think um, culturally, you know, we, we live in a very, um, in a time when people like to boast and brag and make comments and, uh, uh, you know, sort of self-promote themselves and it's easy to get caught up in that whole process with, without maybe even realizing it and um, and then just get sort of out there uh, and and you know it's it's I remember as a as a pre-christian for lack of a better word um, had, had at that point in my life you know and, and lived a crazy life down, down I was down in the keys um, you know and I was partying all the time and doing all sorts of stuff I shouldn't have been doing and um, in the process of doing that, maybe had made up a story or two along the way. Anybody else ever do that? And then, and then, trying, trying to keep track of that whole thing too was was proving to be more and more difficult. Um, and and then, like you know, what did I say? And what's the story? And and I don't remember anymore the story. And the story would change. And then you, you get found out. And one of my, uh, this, I, I still have this thought. I remember being newly saved, and and uh, about six weeks into it. Um, so that would have been what three months ago, and uh, no, this is <laughs> this is a little side humor. Um, I remember being newly saved, it's 1985, and m- one of the things that uh, that we did uh, was I got invited to this sort of overnight kind of campout thing on one of these islands out here, and uh, I went to that, and it was cool. Alice and I went, and uh, they had a they had a campfire. And we were sitting around the campfire, and they were singing hymns, which was, and you know, I'm a brand new believer. This is all new to me, but it's really cool, you know. And the, and I remember the power of God just kind of, kind of showing up, and I, I just started, uh, just kind of sobbing uncontrollably because you know I was feeling forgiven and all the things. And one of the things that just walked, rushed over me was, you know, I got this whole new start, and I didn't have to keep track of any of that mess anymore. It was all garbage anyway, you know what I mean? I didn't need to boast about any any of that stuff and mix in parts of this and parts of that, and and just the freedom of saying, okay. New start, get to let all that go. I remember being so overwhelmed by that thought um, from having carried on mess and just constant mess that, you know, you get yourself into. And it was such a freeing thing. And, and the Lord wants that for us uh, in our lives. You know, that freedom of, of learning just to speak what needs to be spoken and, and nothing else so that we don't have to go back with that. Uh, uh, it's a horrible feeling. When it, um, have you ever talked about someone and then realized they were right behind you? I have. That's a horrible feeling. It's horrible. I mean, you're like, oh, no, why did I do it? 
And, and you think God just wants to help us in straightening that stuff out so we don't have to deal with that mess any longer. So, so we, have to, we have to work on this. So uh, James 3, 8 through 12, let me read that again. No man can tame the tongue. That's why he's got to help us. The power of the Spirit. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. We have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So what we have to begin to realize in this process of our lives and in, in, in dealing with people and this faith, living this life of faith, is that we, we have to begin to realize the power of our words and that our words can either build people up or tear people down. And, and we have to begin, I think, really to think about the, um, the encounters that we have with people. And these encounters are going to go in one of two directions. Either we're going to be in this encounter and we're going to build people up or somehow we're going to tear them down in the process. And, and, and the power of words is an amazing thing. You know, w- words are so powerful. I mean, when you, when you read the Scripture and you start trying to get a handle of, you know, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God... He was with God in the beginning. You know, and you, you think about Jesus being, you know, he's the, he's the word. And then, you know, in the, you get back into Genesis and you start reading, the, you know, the creation account. And these things are being spoken into being. And, and it's, it's this power of words and, and, and the creative power of words. And, you know, um, we're God's creation. And that stuff comes along with us. You know, our words carry power. The, the scripture says that. And so our words can be used to either build people up or to tear them down. We can either, we can either ruin people with our words or we can encourage them and, and move them in the right direction. And, and it's such a powerful thing to start becoming aware of that, that we should never just use our words casually um, uh, in, in, you know, saying things offhandedly. We should also never be stingy with good words because sometimes that's what we do. We shut down and yet people need uplifting words. They need good words. They need powerful words. You need to be speaking into the people that you're in relationship with. You need to be encouraging them, and you need to be building them up anytime you get a chance. Um, And and this is all about, you know, taming the tongue and getting it uh, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit into operating the way that it should. And the, you know, the the schoolyard saying, I know if you've you've been here for a while, you've heard me say this um, before, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is not true. Um, sticks and stones can break your bones, but they can usually be reset and healed. Words can, can get inside you and damage you forever unless we allow the Lord to heal them. Um, many people labor under words that were spoken to them in a cruel or hurtful way for their entire lives. And it, it impacts every moment of their entire lives. Um, and, and the problem is that uh, we're, we're hardwired for people to speak into us and to receive it, um, and particularly people that we should be able to trust. And, and so people that are in our lives, you know, um, who, who represent authority in our lives, so, you know, parents and, and close relatives and siblings and, uh, you know, uh, people who, you know, who should be speaking um, encouraging words into us, um, because they're often broken themselves, sometimes speak words that are really hurtful and they go just as deep and, and will often, like I said, labor under those words throughout the course of our lives. I meet people all the time that are, that are you know, very mature 
in their in their lifespan who are still laboring under words that were spoken into them by by you know abusive parents um, that were so heartbreakingly cruel and they've they've spent their whole lives trying to get out from under it in in inappropriate ways and and it's just it's you, you can see where it's it impacted their lives for the entire course of their life that's a powerful thing used in the wrong way and so um, and you know I, I say that know that that in Christ that can be healed um, and we'll talk a little bit about that before we're done um, but but we need to be careful that we're not continuing to sow hurt in the people's lives we want to be always trying to build them up and moving them in the direction of the Lord so you know some people unfortunately were told they'd never amount to anything or that they were stupid or that they were no good or that you know they couldn't do it and and uh, uh, just sort of brushed off and and that's gone deep inside of them and impacted them for their entire lives so so we need to be very much aware of the power of our words and James is talking about that and use them to encourage and to, and to build and to bless um, um, like he does James 3 3 through 5 says when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example although they're so large and are driven by strong winds they're steered by a very small rudder where the pilot wants to go likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Um, you know, and, and in those verses, you can see where uh, you know a word used inappropriately can do a lot of damage. But in the same way, a used a word used um, to the glory of God in someone's life can change a person's life. It really can change people. The, uh, just just letting somebody know uh, in Christ that that they are you know lovable and forgivable and capable uh, and, and that God wants to be in relationship with them can change and alter the course of someone's life forever just by beginning to speak truth into them and, and allowing the Spirit of God to start to heal some of the damage. And so we need to be very careful to try and choose our words for good. Here's a, a verse out of Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses 29 through 32. This is a tough one. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's just Paul's way of backing up with that James has, has been talking about. And yet it's really difficult. I, I can tell you that, that um, you know, it, James said earlier on, if anybody could totally get this right, they'd be like perfect, and we're all short of that. But we need to be moving in that direction. Um, and I think what, what I hope happens now is, is I, I think what happens with me, when, I've, when I fall short of that mark of, of speaking what I should speak, um, I feel like the, the Spirit of God is sort of, pretty rapidly convicting me of that now and, and then there's opportunities for me to, to go back and, and try and fix that um, but better than that would be this before you speak there's there's some questions that you should sort of ask yourself and uh, I, I think you should write these down um, there's some room on the bottom that says notes and uh, and so I, I've got three questions that, that I try and run through my brain if I can about what I'm about to say um, first thing is this is what I'm saying true is what you're about to say true is it true? Do you know it to be true? Are you sure it's true? Um, if you're not sure it's true, here's what, here's what I tell you. Don't say it. If you're not sure it's true, don't say it. It's just not worth saying. 
And, and also, just as an aside, don't pass it along in an email. If you're not sure if it's true, there's a, there, you know, most of you know on, there's a little thing that's um, truthorfiction.com or is it Snopes or Scopes.com or something where you can go and it sort of has everything that's happening on the internet right now and it'll tell you if it's true or not. They've gone and done and looked at and they've gone through. Because you know this, right? Not everything on the internet's true, right? Everybody. I know it's a shock for some of you. What? Yes, a lot of it's not true. And yet people pick it up as true and pass it along. And that's one of the biggest problems that we have is that people take things that aren't true and start to pass them along as though they are, and it just mushrooms. It's ridiculous how fast something that's not true can pass around. And it's very hard to undo that damage. Um, it's very hard to, to, once stuff is out there, to get it back in. So uh, try and ask yourself, is what you're saying true? Did you firsthand know that it's true? Um, uh, and, and so if it's not, don't say it. There's the thing. Here's the second point. So true is one of those things. Not true, don't say it. If it's true, okay. But here's another question. You can take it another step. Question two you should ask yourself, is what you're about to say helpful? Is it helpful? Is there a reason to say it that's helpful? Um, beyond, you know, anything else, is it, is it what you're about to say going to build up the person you're talking to? Um, has enough, does it really need to be said? And and I, I know I've told you this before, but this is one of my favorite things. Um, don't ever start a sentence with, I don't mean to be rude, but. Just whatever's coming after the but shouldn't be said. And you, you don't get to excuse yourself by saying, I don't mean to be rude. You probably just don't need to say it. If you have to preface it with, I don't mean to be rude, it's probably not going past those first two tests that it's true or that it needs to be said. That doesn't mean that everything doesn't need to be said, but but there are some things and some hard things that need to be said. But sometimes, you know, we just want to say something that's our opinion or something and probably doesn't need to be said, which is tempered by this last third and last question. Is what I'm saying loving? Is it loving? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it loving? Are your words loving? Are they motivated, motivated by love for the person that you're talking to? Um, if there's another motivation, anger, frustration, vengeance, you should really bite your tongue. That, I often will struggle there. I'll, I'll, I'll get stuck. I, and, and it's a, you know, because it's, it's, life is tricky. Um, and, and so we, we, have to, we have to really look at this stuff and really focus on speaking words of life. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 12.25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. So our words really should bring life to people, um, they should encourage, inspire, calm, and sometimes challenge the people that we're talking to. But, but when we're speaking truth in love, always tempering our words with kindness and compassion, with grace and with mercy. And even when, it's, when we feel you know, it's necessary to try and, and, and you know, maybe correct somebody, it should be done in an encouraging way, always pointing up strengths and encouraging people to, to really try and bring out their best. And so, you know, I think about that. James would ask you, you know, I believe that's what the, the whole chapter is all about, to kind of consider how you're doing with your words. How are you doing with the words that you speak? Are your words bringing life and encouragement and inspiration? Or are you kind of unfortunately leaning towards discouragement and deflation and gossip? And if you're, if you're moving in that direction, you've got to think about it uh, and ask God to help you sort of move back in the direction where your words are used for good which is why he gave them to you, and uh, think about that. But it's 8 o'clock, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there for tonight. Um, if you're watching on video or television, thank you. We appreciate you doing that. 
Uh, if you need prayer, go to our website at keysvineyard.com, find the prayer page, and we'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, come and visit if you can. We'd love to see you. But that's good for tonight.